in a world where the size of the reserve army of the unemployed appears inversely proportional to its influence. One bear and one lady seek to restore power to the masses and your heart. It's Nagger's and the Vag. Comrade, you have lent me your ear, and for that, I lend you my unswerving gratitude. I don't mind why you're here if it's out of pity. For an elderly spinster lady from the southeast suburbs of Melbourne who has not even a filament of a career left, you might remember me from the 1990s. If you're here just for that, out of pity, I'll take it. I have no pride. I have a great deal of white shame in this racist lie of a nation. If you're a honky, you should too. Why not visit my Patreon? I take you through the white shame diet. You gotta dive in. Shame is revolutionary. Franz Fanon said that. Karl Marx said that. The bear, here he is, knackers, does not say much at all. He is, I mean, I'm assuming he's a him, a factory-made, adorable commodity, and he is my co-host here on the breakfast show that happens in the dark, the morbid, sickly dark of the interregnum, the time between times. Are you feeling desperate, comrade? Well, well, you should. Everything is cracking apart. What we will try to afford for you on this podcast, we being me and the bear, the commodity that contains so much mystified wisdom, is a way of understanding. No doubt we'll fail. You can always email me, Helen, at badhostess.com. You can throw me some bucks if you wish. That's, um, you know, on Patreon, spell Razor with an E, Helen Razor, or not. Either way, we're talking... Unemployment, what a ludicrous concept. What a ludicrous concept is full employment. What a ludicrous concept is the nature of labour as it stands. I have here before me, you have in one or even both of your ears, the media officer from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, known to me first as a little brat on Twitter, whose uh, jib cut I didn't mind at all, Jeremy Poxon. Helen, thanks for thanks for having me. I've never gotten a better better introduction in oh, my life. I'm I'm don't, blessed. Don't be a millennial <laughs> sycophant as me. Now, uh, have you met uh, Knackers, the mystified not, commodity? Not, not not officially, but it's been it's a pleasure uh, to to see him, her, they. In, in, in the flesh? Whatever you like. But so uh, what you do with the bear is uh, you and I have had a few uh, uh, text-based communications. I I forced you into a telephone call as well. You're mal- it's very hard to get a millennial to, to talk on the phone I hate it. As, as well. And I did, you know, I did avoid it with you for, you know, for as long as I could. I really want to talk to you about uh, unemployment, but perhaps you know, it remind me. I I wouldn't mind getting back to you on on, on that one. Like, what sort of like shift in labour? What kind of technological shift um, made millennials disdain the human voice? I have a few hypotheses. You'll knock them down for me. Um, but you're a little shitter. I like I like you. You give a lot of lip. 
Don't you? Yeah, uh, you know, to, to targets that, that, you know, that deserve it, hopefully, oh, uh, mostly. Well, sometimes uh, people who don't either. I just, I, yeah, I just like lippy people. It's, I don't know how you can be an activist without, you know, giving, giving, some, giving some stick um, when, it's, when it's worthwhile. It's very therapeutic. Are you an activist, I, I find, are you? Well, I, I, you know, I, I perform activism. Does that, does that make me yeah, an, just... an activist or an advocate? Or I never know how to introduce myself and, and what I do well, you uh, see, to, ever, to people. Ever since I discovered that Hillary Clinton puts activist on her business card... Um, I thought, well, you know, unfortunately, that's a word that can't be reclaimed. Uh, it's on. She announced putting it. like on a business card. Activist is probably the most one of the most Hillary Hillary things. Well, it's, I've, I mean, I've heard. Have you have you looked on social media lately? I mean, of course. Well, probably. Have not. I not looked mm. in the last you know ten years? I imagine you're probably a bit like me, and you just really only look at yourself. Fuck everyone else, right? No, I look at the you know I look at the comrades in the in the feed. I, I try I try not to you know name search myself because it's only bad or news if I do that. If you look at legacy media, social media, um, the thing that now defines uh, an activist, well, that includes the Duchess of Cambridge, uh, Nay uh, Markle. She's an activist, right? I believe that Scarlett Johansson called herself an activist. I think anybody who has ever gone within cooey of any kind of protest whatsoever is now an activist. I, I, I think that Stephen Colbert called himself an activist for uh, attending uh, a great rally that um, was uh, in support of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, like because the UN really needs some support. Mm, they, you know, they they need you know us in the you know in the in the grassroots to give them some much needed you know much needed rabble rousing. Yeah, the old UN. But you know, uh, but enough of enough of me and this idle chit chat. Just a brief point, which was um, well, we'll strike that but, from the record. But, but Not I, an activist, but, whatever but, that whatever that means anymore. Doug Cameron called himself a socialist. Words mean <laughs> words mean very little. Can you be a socialist and be in the Labour Party for twelve years? And that that, that chappy, um, Brendan O'Neill from Spiked, calls himself a Marxist. But I believe that the only part of Marxism, you know, who I'm talking about. No, Brendan O'Neill. Is that his name? You know, the check, he writes for Spiked and he's, you know, he's he's the chap. He's kind of like, he reminds me of the Australian columnist um, Joe Hildebrand a little. He's oh, like, good. I'm the guy that left and right love to hate. You know, he's about my age. He's got some hair. He's okay. white. He's all about free speech. Oh, he could be one of a million guys. But, you know, Spiked, like this libertarian Yeah, I know, thing. I know Spiked. Okay, yeah. yeah, so he likes Marx because Marx said that capitalism is a productive force. Yeah, but he says a lot after that anyway. Beside the point, I'm going on. Wait, Here's so, the bear. Throw so, it at me. No, no. I, know, I want to get back to that. He calls himself a Marxist because he isolated parts in Marx that vouch for capitalism. Well, that's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who are Marxists for... But reasons of branding, reasons of personal branding, right? Yes, and I'm, I believe you've been accused of of, of such a thing, Helen. Ah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, well, people don't understand that I'm actually a bit, you know, damaged in the brain. Like, I actually do believe in the need to conceive of a different world mm-hmm. um, and a different organisation of labour, a different use of human productivity. And there are kids, you know, around, you know, definitely people my age. I mean, there's always, for years, there's been people who become Trotskyists for five minutes at university to get laid. I, I believe Christopher Hitchens, 
during Prime his lifetime example. was actually on the record for saying that. And then, you know, look, no one's listening at this point. <laughs> what do you think of the Chapo Trap House? I've never listened to, uh, I feel like maybe I'm the only left-wing uh, millennial who has never listened uh, to Chapo uh, and I'm stuck in a lot of conversations about it and I just have to sort of nod nod and nod and smile and pretend to understand. I think I, you I, know I, to, to make socialism funny and sexy and whatever they do like that's you know that seems fine yeah, but no, I don't it does. it does seem fine. I mean it's just, I have listened on on occasion but I'm far too old to understand all that meme talk. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what dank means. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not very on fleek as your hip to the street beat generation I believe. I, I don't know how to plank and I I don't have a MySpace page. I'm I'm up with the lingo, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but aren't um, they, you know, isn't it just like three, you know, privileged uh, white dudes from Brooklyn talking about We're two talking about privileged socialism. white dudes from Melbourne, so which is basically Brooklyn with a bad True. with a bad accent. But you know, I know there's this young woman who writes for the uh, for, who writes for um uh, Current Affairs, which is a journal I really like called Amber A. Lee Frost, and I adore her writing. Uh, she's in The Baffler and things like that. She's she's well, A1, schmicko. But I listen and I don't understand what they're talking about because I am an ancient spinster. And they're doing all that kind of like weird Twitter, actually Dolan kind of, you know, accidentally penis, I don't know, like up to the minute lolcats speak. Mm-hmm. I, I know that lolcats were ages ago. And I don't understand at all. But I did read their book and it seems to be socialism more or less, but the working class are only millennial. Right. Um, and I imagine they, they engage in the, the usual, uh, usual jokes about, about boomers, which seems to punctuate all, all sort of millennial, you know, millennial yeah. online discourse. Look, I mean, I understand that inevitably, and in we will talk about unemployment shortly, and your work. Uh, that the, uh, and you know, the other thing here on knackers, 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 and the badge, 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 that I do want to remind those of you upon whom Australian identity is crudely stamped, whether you like it or not, in this this fictional nation state, this map that destroyed the territory, largely known as Australia. I saw you the other day having a little bit of a a mocking millennial wink because 25 years since the unemployment benefit called New Start mm-hmm. uh, in, in Australia, 25 years and um, there's been, we're not even talking like real wages here, there's been absolutely no change in the amount, the dollar amount paid to people who can't find work. There's been, yeah, no meaningful increase in New Start in the last 25 years. It's it's tied to the CPI. So, like, you know, uh, a few months ago, we did get a boost of, of a couple of cents. So, technically, that sort of means the rate yeah. comparative to cost of living is far less than it would have you been 20, a, 25 years you, ago. You were going to get a birthday cake. Did you find a birthday cake? I did. I, we, we got a $4 Coles uh, mud cake and delivered it to Josh Frydenberg's office. They locked me out and, and called the cops. Um, including two feds, like two AFP came down to, you know, had to show them the receipt and, and tell them, you know, I didn't put any any anthrax or any nasties in there. So dollar for dollar, 
in, in terms of, you know, cost of living. We don't have parity with the US dollar in Australia, although at, at times in, the, in recent history we have, but they're roughly equivalent. So how many dollars a week is the, the unemployment allowance in Australia? Roughly $275 a week. Fuck me. 275 bucks a week and, and, you know, like the average rent I think is about 200 and about 200 bucks, isn't a- it? Yeah, ACOS like released, uh, Council of Social Services releases stats that, you know, in the in the city of Adelaide, I think there were only like two rental properties that were actually like uh, long-term affordable uh, for people on Newstart. It's, in, in- it's just punitive. It's, it, it is punitive. Like it's, it's unrealistic. Anyway... Just back to the social, because you're a little bit of a pinko, aren't you, dear? Oh, you know, I try, I try, you know, I try to keep all that, all that hidden and in the closet. But yes, I'm. Well, a you pretty... don't do a very good job. Uh, uh, Jeremy Pox and our guest today slash this evening, you know, whether you're closer to uh, the uh, Aurora Australis or Borealis, wherever in, in the world you live, he can be found on the internet. On the internet, I'm writing quite always, always online. And I would say that you have not done a good job of concealing your somewhat leftward tendencies, have in, you? In, in calling for, but, you know, mostly I'm just calling for an increase to the unemployment benefit, a commitment to full employment, to basically shut down our privatised employment services and renationalize it. That's like, you know, mid-century labourism, my, my vague demands, but apparently that counts as yeah. you know, scary socialism and I have, you know, lunatics uh, in my uh, other folder online who, you know, tell me to go back to fucking Venezuela. Why don't you go and live in Venezuela? Yeah, yeah. This is just, you poor Venezuela. I mean, it lives now in my memory as an insult. You know, I'm used to, you know, uh, I, I became accustomed as a younger lady to, you know, be told to just go and live in Russia. And now I have to get used to living in Venezuela. Well, Russia's a capitalist paradise now, so they can't uh, they can't use that. So, you know, find a find a South American, Latin American country to send us all send us all off to. But briefly to the topic before we get into uh, your public presentations, your work with uh, the union, the harsh reality of life for unemployed slash underemployed slash self employed people, well represented in your very large generation. I just want to talk about this sort of idea. Now, I know it's a temptation. I'm sure that older people always resent the young, you know, once you start getting aches and pains. I'm mm-hmm. sure at, you know, some some juncture or another there was um, an ancient who, um, you know, stroked his ancient acne-studded chin. He was probably 15 or 16 and then he saw a five-year-old or she. Well, gender wasn't a thing then, was it? No. No. You know, gambling about and, you know, felt resentment. I mean, I feel resentment when I see, you know, you you walk about in all of the, you know, the finery of young flesh. It disgusts me. And I just think I can't wait until he gets, you know, an ache and pain. And that that, that, that might be, you know, for the sake of argument – Oh, gosh, I thought I'd abandoned that phrase. I thought I'd evacuated it from my vocabulary. But for the sake of discussion, let's just suppose that the older human being necessarily, from the time that we had a sense of our mortality and from, the, you know, the time that we had, you know, a consciousness that the pain comes with age and that pain may more frequently reappear in the older body, 
we, you know, we hate a young pup, don't we? So we can yeah. say that that is, but to, you know, to politicise that, just back to the Chapo thing, and again, like I don't really understand what they're talking <laughs> about and they could be awesome and I know that that young Amber, she's fabulous. She's onto it, yeah. Have you read her? She's great. Yeah, no, yeah, I really Isn't like she? her. She's I mean, awesome. you're a big fan and also slightly resentful as well. It's like I wasn't using my brain that well at your age. How dare you? <laughs> but... I, I really do get a sense, and I did from their book, that, you know, the, the, the millennials are considered as a class. And I, I do, you, do you find that a, a thing? And I mean, you read a lot too. I think that's a bad, like it, it definitely, it, it definitely happens. It's in, even in sort of the Australian media, like, you know, millennials are locked out of the, the housing market or millennials are locked out of work. Uh, and we sort of, I think it's fundamentally... Uh, unhelpful. Mm. Uh, we sort of carry around this like generational analysis that actually muddies the water. But absolutely, uh, and, it, and it prevents a longer understanding of economic cycles. Now, even if you are some deluded neoclassical fuckhead, but well, one, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Why don't you just go yeah. and you know? bully a socialist or and, something. I mean, and, don't. Go and take some Milton Friedman off the bookshelf and yeah. you know, sit on the dunny. and You know, why not strut around and say, oh, Hayek, he had some <laughs> good ideas, didn't he? Oh, I will give you that he expressed some appalling ideas very well. But if you want to read something tolerable from a bloke you went to school with, why not do a little bit of Polanyi? You done a little bit of Polanyi yourself? I've gotten, I've gotten a bit of Polanyi in my diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a, that's... a healthy, a healthy amount. But I think isn't it's just like any generation, right? Millennials have this, and they rail against the older. Asian Gen X did that with the boomers. The boomers, you know, whoever came before them. Is, is it, I've is always just for, really is it just liked the same? old ladies. So, like, I've always liked the refinement of old ladies. But like, to be fair, like in my union, I'm actually more frustrated that more that we don't have more young people. Like our average member is, you know, probably like a 55 year old. A uh, woman who, and that demographic is like the fastest growing group uh, on New Start yeah. at the, uh, on New Start at the moment, and the fastest growing uh, group experience experiencing yeah. homelessness. I'm actually like I don't know. I'm almost like a self hating uh, millennial, and I'm kind of like angry that well, yes, yes, silly. yes, we're being cool and online and 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 railing against capitalism on Twitter, but, uh, but I, I don't really see them at meetings or you know you yourself, your identity. You're just an accident of. History, human history, and and, and biology. Yeah. You know, uh, we all are really. I mean, I'm not exactly you know test tube perfection myself. We're mere collisions. Yeah, um, well, my, so, my parents told me I was an accident. So, but I mean, you know, I can't, I can't go about hating all of the identity categories foisted upon me. Mm. I'm just, you know, the white identity one. I utterly recommend interrogating the fact of that if you are a person because, you know, that's not something that one thinks about, you know, mm. but to understand because it was the default identity, you know, so that's a good thing to think about. But, you know, hating yourself because of your generation, no, no, no. I, I mean, like if we have to make generalisations about generations, I mean, I fucking much prefer the company of yours to mine. <laughs> We're a bunch of fuckers, right? Like it's... what do we do? We gave you Google. Oh, thanks very much. You know what else we did? You know, I like Grunge? the. Hey, I mean, no. Oh yeah, we did. I was bang into that. I tell you what. You know what I did? You know what, what I did? I liked the Clintons in the nineties. Wow. Okay. As a welfare rights advocate, given what uh, Bill Clinton did no, to see, the to the to the poor, that's uh, that's, that's striking know, to hear. I know. I know. But um, so I'm just sharing with you 
that at your age, I was a very deluded lady. Adolescence, I like some of the girls and the boys who were Marxist. Mm-hmm. So I became Marxist and it made a lot of sense. You know, you read the Communist Manifesto at, um, at, at a young age. It was very cheap to buy then. You could pick it up for a dollar or so or somebody would just give you one and it did make sense. But then I got, um, I fell into like a fairly high income gig working for the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who needs, who needs marks or class All analysis? memory of being a part of a class, of having grandparents who were, were male sorters who had, you know, lived on effing dirt and cabbage during the Depression who had this, you know, really passionate connection as labourists and even of knowing Marx and, you know, being brought to intellectual maturity by Marxists mm-hmm. that I'd met in various, you know, anti-nuclear struggles and stuff, it just disappeared. You know, it, it disappears so quickly. And I imagine that you – so you've never really – so you write a bit for a bit of a living, right? A bit of a living, freelancing, yeah. So, yeah, like maybe 200, 300 a week from it's, that. It's, yeah, it's, it's not enough to survive. So I do supplement my income by getting just your various casual yeah. casual jobs and then also have to rely on social security. So I'm, I'm telling you, like, so one, the thing that happens, so you have a great impatience, I imagine, with legacy media, corporate media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call yep. it, right? And so do I. But I have to remind myself at times that I, I'm a fuckwit you know, also capable of extraordinary fuckwittedness because it just didn't take me very long at all to sort of become a liberal. So there's a couple of things that, that, that occur or perhaps three things that occur. One, obviously, you're earning quite nice money and you can afford to think in the terms of what we then called in the 1990s the third way. Yes. Which is, you know, economic centrism, which is not centrism at all, when people refer to centrism, of course, they're talking about the the neoliberal project or mm-hmm. um, something I saw recently described as um, suck up wealth. It is a wealth redistribution, but it's a wealth redistribution to the top. Right. Things have been regulated in the so-called free market upwards. You've read Polanyi, you said so, you know, you'll know his famous comment, laissez-faire is planned. Yeah, you know, that's you know one of the one of the great tricks of you know sort of this small quote unquote small government uh, neoliberal lack of regulation. It actually involved way more red tape yeah, and, yeah. And, and still does way more yeah, uh, regulation, I, but just in the services of, of capital and, like and, the, and the upper crust. The, you know, the 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 EU is very much it. It's not about making up for the divisions caused by World War Two. It's like a monetary policy. That I think Yanis Varoufakis like mm. describes quite well as you know surplus recycling. All the money keeps going back to Germany, and uh, you know so there's so much regulation and coercion into this you know free trade ideal. But anyway, so there's a couple of things that that happen, and just I'm sorry, this may be more for me than for you, but but I'm um, seeing sort of I, similarities because you know when I was young. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a media professional. I wanted to be a journalist. I had dreams to be, you know, in in involved, like a, have a nice have a nice cushy job at the at the ABC or whatever. But are I was. You, are you from money? 
Uh, from my my parents, so one was a one was a farmer. One grew up very poor, so middle lower middle class. What kind of farmer? Back, back, background out in uh, northern northern Victoria. Just how many uh, generations? Olives and goes back a couple, and then I'm not sure. Uh, what pro- happened? You know, what happened un- before then? Unfortunately, I mean, if you look into it, you might find out that your ancestor ancestors cleared the land, probably, which is the uh, euphemism for murder mm. of black people yep. that we have used his- historically here in Australia. You, you may know, uh, of course, that uh, uh, Fraser Anning, a senator. Mm-hmm. In Australia, known as perhaps not the nicest chap on earth, uh, there's, you know, documented evidence of, of his ancestors doing it. And a lot of that went on in Victoria. So maybe don't look or <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never been uh, interested enough in my family background to chart it back, <sighs> but I'm sure like any farmer based in northern Victoria or anywhere in this country has, yeah, you know, you that know, kind of blood on their hands. Absolutely. Can I give you a teeny bit of advice? Sure. Try to keep that up for the rest of your life. I have at times of, you know, great self-doubt, like looked into my family history. It's a desperate act. To try and like make sense of make sense of who you are yeah. and what's going on. You'll you think see, you'll think you find some answers you see those in the genealogy. Kind of like ads for, you know, essentialist thinking on the telly, like go to ancestry.com or go to and dna.com yeah, yeah. and find out who you really are. Like I Figure I, out why you like having like a like a coffee in the morning. Oh, it's because I've got a Italian heritage, or because it's a fucking wonderful <laughs> drug, and it goes yeah. through the blood brain barrier like a fucking maglev you train. Should, you should get on Beautiful. that. Uh, what's that? What's that show on the ABC? Who do you think you are? Will they like pay you to? You yeah. Know, oh gosh, no, should, no, no. But I mean, I, do, I, 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 I do it. I think about my ancestry in times of of doubt. You know. It's almost an ethno-nationalist impulse. It's like, you know, who who I am, I'm going to define myself by blood and and soil. You know, woohoo, getting a little bit Nazi. <laughs> I will say, though, convict ancestors brought out here in chains for killing the British in an mm-hmm. act of... That's, not, a, that's the not, credibility. But it's, it's bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. Mm. Like this whole idea about, you know, defining yourself in terms of your blood lineage, repugnant, right? Mm. Still, speaking still of the faults of myself, but like maybe trying to explain to you a bit, I should let you fucking talk. Here's the bear. Throw yeah, it at like, me. Yeah, like, just to, but, like, like, because, yeah, like, that I was. Want, so I it... want you, honestly, right, to understand why people are fuckwits, right? So you spend a lot of your time attempting in your pu- public presentations mm-hmm. to say, well, persons who are unemployed are not to blame for their own destitution. And as you've just t- told me that, you know, that, that uh, women of my vintage are very well represented in the number of unemployed persons and, and, and what have you. So yep. you might find yourself um, being all like um, whatever the, the auntie version of avuncular is. If you um, can work out that neologism, please email me, helen at badhostess.com. You know the word avuncular. Avuncular, yeah, uncle-like. Yeah. But, yeah, is but there a no, feminine? I don't uh, think so. Uh. But, um, uh, you know, if, you, if you're one of those People who is a good neologizer, please, um, Helen at badhostess.com. Uh, but I, I just, I mean, I'm beset by the frustration all the time and I'm also beset by the poverty of having 
unpopular opinions and beset by having a really fucking bad temper, which I suspect you may as well. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, sometimes you have to let off let off that let off that steam, um, you know, in a hopefully health, healthy uh, sort of way. But you go, think- like, look for me, like monstrous acts of self sabotage. I now accept that they're part of. They're part of the my, brand, my ex- as, no, as millennials would say. But they're not part of the brand. Like it's an an action that I, I apparently need every few years. I need to have some kind of public ex- explosion. I need to denounce things in an extreme way. Just it's not healthy, probably, but it's uh, better than taking. Um, but sort of when I when I when I think about it and my sort of position I am in as being a spokesperson for, you know, a group of unemployed people, uh, you can imagine like the emails and the text messages I get, like, does anything (sighs) piss you off more than being like unemployed uh, in this economy and you just rail against everything and you swear and, um, you know, it's a pretty frustrating, uh, miserable existence, um, which, you know, I've suffered through um, as well. Um, so just just have, railing, yeah. you know, railing about that. This is this but is this also, is what it's like to be unemployed. It's, working, it's yelling all the time. But you're working also with people who are calling you and saying, "I just got my finger sliced off on a work for the doll program." Yeah. And so you're working with that. You're, I'm presuming, not getting terribly well funded to do that. No, we're a voluntary run organization. Oh, you do that work for Zip. Yeah. No, I'm not like a. I'm not. I'm not a paid unemployment advocate. Um, you know, we get don- do accept, we get donations from do, our do, from our so members. Does your organisation accept donations? We do, um, and it's mostly you know full time workers out of solidarity will yeah, give us so give us some money. So, if we wish to give your organisation, yeah, go to unemployedworkersunion.com. We've got a donate button if you want to give us some money to level. yeah. Oh, awesome! To, uh, to, to help us going. Remind me, young Poxon, and I'll whack it on the great. Thingamy, yeah, on the What's It, on the RSS mm. podcast. It'll be somewhere. It'll be somewhere. So just uh, in, in terms of, so are you happy for me to, you know, keep the Auntie Spinster thing up for a minute? About, yeah, go. F- so first there's people who have some comfort will become more comfortable and they might even be like a 21-year-old former Marxist who suddenly like they're empowered of um, – Comfort, but not only that, in the age of the mass culture industry, they are automatically seen and automatically understand themselves as powerful. So when I have had a legacy media job before, Mm -hmm. and if it weren't for my temper, I'd probably still be climbing up the greasy pole of like ABC management or something. You know, I mean, who knows what would have happened were it not for my temper. You could be hosting the drum right now. Who knows? I probably could. And you know what? I probably do a much worse job than <laughs> Julia Baird. Julia is actually quite bright. So all of these things could have happened. And then, you know, so we're going into the 90s to this belief that occurs not just in academic fields, you know, because, like, there's this whole idea about, like, language is reality and mm-hmm. knowledge is power and all of these ideas that are sort of, like, you know, not fully understood that come down from academic uh, discussion and study from, you know, Derrida and Foucault and what have you. Like, all the post-structuralism, yeah, that, that turn, like yeah. Like, it's not all shit, right? It's not all shit. Like, postmodernism is not all shit, hmm. but it's also not... Marxism, 
okay, despite what Jordan Peterson says. So you have this kind of like quasi-academic rationale in the back of your head. You have people like Tony Blair, Paul Keating, Mm -hmm. the Clintons, all saying we're progressive. We care about people. I mean, for me, you know, Paul Keating like sold this in a very convincing way and – have you read the text or heard the speech, the Redfern speech? Of course, yeah. It's like something you know I had to study as a as a kid to unpack the rhetorical grandeur of you know of the, of the most amazing speech. And yeah, in and Australian him and Don politics. Watson are still fighting over who wrote it. But, but all those people you mentioned, like Keating, Clinton, mm, even so, Blair, they're like extremely charming. They sort of lent on kind of old, you know, sort of yeah. old fashioned progressive rhetoric to just. Tell, yeah, I tell you, like I have, I've met a few people that um, have met Tony, and all of them wanted to throw their underpants to the floor. He's a very handsome, like all of those, yeah, all, like apparently, like, and Clinton, like uh, Clinton, uh, you know, everyone just, wanted to. Like, Paul Keating got voted sexiest man in the country in 1990, I think. Yeah, well, that's just weird. Well, you know, he was like a tall, like he had a nice saturnine beauty about him. Nice nice big brown eyes. He was not unattractive. Look good in a suit. But for me, the compelling thing about, the thing that made Keating fuckable was his appalling temper. Right. And his bad language. Mm. And the vulgarity during question time was legendary. Mm. Like the galleries used to be full. He was genuinely funny. Mm. And his, you know, working class chip on the shoulder narcissism was very, very appealing. Mm. But all of that aside, so, so, but there's this kind of like neoliberal progressive. And I mean, with Clinton, all he does is extend the Reagan Bush era doctrine, but dresses it up to look nice. And, you know, you become closer, you, the more proximate you are to power, the more seductive power is, Mm -hmm. but there are just a thousand rationales a day for becoming part of the knowledge elite. Well, it's, you know, I imagine having a job like that, you want to defend the system that's rewarded you very handsomely, just on a fundamental level, right? And and also, what are you producing? You know, words. Words are your product. Mm -hmm. And so, you think that, uh, or Pictures are your product or a combination. So, of course, you begin to think that, you know, it's all about the narrative. There's nothing else but the narrative. And if we speak well and right, we, the, we motivate people. There's nothing outside the text, kind of Derridean yeah. sort of. And then if you're a bit of a. Political yeah, yeah, postmodernism. And, yeah. And I mean, il n'y a pas d'or text is not even what you think it means. Like, it, there's nothing outside the text. I mean, look, Derrida's not a complete fuckwit. And all those language theories, you know, you can, they help us. There's not- No, there's like, I think there's like real, like, you know, Derrida's like fantastic and there's real value in that. But I think like the interpretation that got like taken yeah. um, from that intellectual movement and what it became, you know, under sort of, uh, you know, 80s, 90s neoliberalism yeah. uh, that you're sort of talking about, which, de- you know, mm. Derrida was very political, but, yeah. co- you know, got completely depoliticized yeah. and, and used for... Here on Knackers in the Vag, yes, you are to, you are listening to the uh, sort of like barely informed rantings of two people who did philosophy at university. <laughs> But, like, too, uh, I'm not expecting, you know, I mean, there's no fucking reason for you to read Foucault, really. Just read the fucking Wikipedia entry. If you haven't read Foucault, it doesn't matter, right? But all I want to say is that, like, some of these 
post-structuralist or structuralist theories of language or psychoanalytic theories of language are actually really useful. Hmm. And so by the time they sort of trickle down, I can't believe I just used that word, by the time that they, you know, so people in media, and I mean really, you know, politics and and media are almost functionally indistinct Hmm. now. The the views that you might see um, on American television, on Australian television, there's two views and they are defined by the two major political parties, which is bullshit. Mm. Like you've got the choice between shit and shitter. Fa- mm. Fantastic. You know, the only joy for me in the next election. And I'll tell you, I'm going to put like 10 on the coalition winning. I, I can see it happening. I I don't doubt the ability of Bill Shorten to fuck up a complete It's not going to be about sure him thing. fucking it up. It's actually his unwillingness and the Labor Party's unwillingness to fuck it up at all. And I think probably their their inability to fuck it up because they keep talking in the terms of the master. Mm. You know, the Liberal Party will say, or the Coalition will say 28 years of uninterrupted growth and you know, what the Labor Party could do is say, who gives a fuck about growth? You know, like people aren't benefiting from it. Inequality's gotten worse. Uh, unemployed are more poor than they ever were, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, even, you know, their great Keating, the person who brought, you know, neoliberalism down under, you know, he's recently said that it is the time for new economic software, that neoliberalism is no longer working. Of yeah, course, he could... said, worked perfectly in my time. I, I saved the nation. Mm. But that it was it the recession was, we had to have, Helen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that he could get away with saying that sort of thing with his arrogance at that time is actually, you know, one of the reasons that I don't completely despise him because, jeez, you know, sexiest man of 1990, there right? You go. But, you know, they could say, like, I know that there's this thing and I know you've been around and you've seen, you know, like how the Labor Party campaigns and how fucking stupid they are. I went to uh, recently, last week, uh, once ScoMo called the called the election, uh, Andrew Lee, our shadow assistant treasurer, gave an election speech here in, here in Melbourne, which I dragged yeah. myself along to. Guess what the title of the talk was? <laughs> Labor's centrist economic agenda. And his main like thesis was that the Liberal Party have left the centre, they're far right, the centre's open, Labor have to occupy it. Like that was like the you know, resounding message. And I was just sitting there literally, literally panicked that if you, you know, man, the Liberals really could actually win this. The idea of a, of a, of a, of a Canberra bubble. I mean, it's, it's so old, you know, the idea of like, you know, the, the, the Beltway class, the Canberra bubble, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a thing. And, you know, increasingly the conversation is between the sort of the, you know, the influential media class and Mm -hmm. the political class and the one reflects and informs the other and they go from, you know, industry to industry, you know, those who don't work in the finance sector, of course, and they genuinely think that people have no sober senses. They genuinely believe that our lives remain somehow, you know, we exist um, you know, along with our data in the clouds or something and we don't feel physical discomfort and when we are paid $275 a week to perform a necessary economic function for capitalism, which is to be unemployed, they don't think that it bites. They don't think that we don't know 
what life is like. Like you do know when you've got a toothache, right? You, you know, you do know when you're having your labour exploited. You do know uh, what it feels like to not, be, you know, have cashed in on this so-called 28 years of consecutive economic growth. And to, to, to see, um, obviously, the Liberals, but uh, these labour uh, centrists as well, and it's like perfectly encapsulated by their refusal to raise the rate uh, of of New Start that they think you know people are going to be happy if they commit to an eighteen month yeah. review, but people are pissed off and they they know government has the power uh, to get this done. There's no fiscal restraints and some on, on of doing them this. Are becoming fascists? Yes. And I've met some of them. You know, I went to the the Nazi rally, and it was a Nazi rally. The one in on St Kilda Beach. Yeah, oh, I and didn't I, see spoke, I spoke to some of them, and there's this thing like, you know, if you're from the alt right, like laugh it up, fucking laugh it up, laugh it up, all the way to the burning of the Reichstag. I don't give a fuck, Peppy the Frog. You can fuck off with your mocking detachment. I'm literally Hitler. <laughs> They're doing this thing that was once called um, a hiding power level, right? Like whatever it is, it's, it's, it's um, you know, the concealment of your Nazism. Mm-hmm. You know, I was speaking to like apparently human life saying to me, oh, well, you know, like Blair said that none of this was about racism and he's a nice young man, Blair Cottrell, mm-hmm. really hoping to speak to Andy Fleming soon on the on, on, on Knackers in the Vag, um, probably the best chronicler, pseudonymous guy. Do you know Andy? I do know Andy and and, and read his blog. There's there's no better slack bastard. Everyone should. There's there's no better compendium of. He's fucking tireless. Yeah. You you know, I mean, he keeps tabs and he he knows what this guy Blair Cottrell has said. And some of the things that he said is that Mein Kampf is a wonderful book. There should be a copy in every classroom. That's right. Like, no, it's not a wonderful book. It's a piece of shit. That was instrumentalized as Hitler's stupidity was instrumentalized. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, where do people go? Where do those of us who don't trust the technocrats that keep telling us that we've had 28 years of uninterrupted growth? Yes, we have. But I heard this account recently, a political economist, fairly leftish that I really like called Mark Blythe, wrote a wonderful book. I've got to send it to you actually. I think you really like it called Austerity, The History of a Bad Idea. It's brilliant. Like you should read it. You should totally read it. It's eminently readable. Tells you all you need to know about Adam Smith. Tells you a lot of what you need to know about uh, neoliberalism and why you should like get the shits when any politician compares the national economy and the state debt to your household economy. household budget, that's, yeah. You know, so he's talking about being, I think, at a conference in London and, uh, you know, some bloke is is there in the audience and somebody's talking about the GDP, you know, made possible by the financiers of the City of London. And he's like, you're talking about your GDP, that's not my GDP. But here's Labor still talking about the GDP, still saying we can manage this economic system, yeah, but we're all fucked. I mean, the many are fucked. Like, a fucking, I've got that's no what fucking I was, money. That's what I was left when I was, like, sitting in the shadow treasurer, shadow assistant treasurer's speech. Like, this, I just got, like, apocalyptic mm-hmm. uh, nightmares because he was talking about reducing the debt. He was, like, bragging that Labor were going to produce a bigger surplus uh, than the coalition, that they were the more sensible 
uh, economic managers and the I annoying just buried thing Lee, my face in my hands. The annoying thing with Lee is that he knows better than that. You know, he actually knows better than that. I don't believe that he's bought that neoliberal shit because he knows too much. He knows his neoclassical model's not working, right? Yeah, but he's, you know, this is, but he was very clear about his, you know, strategy of, you know, Labor wanting to appeal to like light diet conservatives because uh, they think, you know, they think this rhetoric um, of, of surplus and reducing the debt, even though it's like meaningless to the lives yeah. of unemployed people, the working class will get but, people know, on side apparently. Think about it, you know, here on Knackers in the Veg, you know, who holds most of, you know, the Australian state debt? Well, it's at the moment it's, it's the UK and the US. Mm-hmm. Are they going to come knocking on the door demanding that we pay a bank? No, of course they're fucking not. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, look, all of that aside, can I just, you know that, so you are a philosophy wanker as well, right? A reformed one, but yeah, I did yeah, study it in undergrad. Look, that shit is like, I mean, the idea, unfortunately, and a lot of the obscurantist language, like you have a philosophical concept, sometimes you need a fancy schmancy word to describe it in shorthand. I also wish the philosophers would make more of an effort to be broadly understood. Unfortunately, the specialised nature of labour doesn't permit that. But if you ever thinking, you know, a bit of philosophy might be interesting, you're fucking right, it is. And Honestly, I think that there were times in my life. Uh, have you ever experienced suicidal ideation? Uh, yes. Yeah, me too, right? Um, because life is shit, right? Mm. And having some knowledge of the ruling ideas and the, and the thoughts that philosophers have, it's not like, uh, like a, what's his name, Alain de Baton kind of like the philosophers can really help you. You know, they're like not a self-help self, self, guide. Self-help philosophy. No, but, it's like what are the ideas? These these usually men um, who've written them, them down, written down like a justification for the way the world is, you read those and you think, right, okay, so that's the expression of what people were thinking or are thinking or are still thinking. Hmm. And now that I understand that that idea was written down or was commonly understood or had to be justified – I understand my place in history a little more. So, you know, I do understand if you're listening and you hear these wankers, you know, white wankers, which is what we are who live in. Absolutely. But I think like... Uh, Just to get back to like Derrida or Foucault, I mean, I'm imagining that the depth of your study is at about the same level as the depth of mine. You might know more, you might know less, I don't know. know. I got an undergrad degree in philosophy, whatever that was worth. But like, so some of those ideas about language, speech... Um, the way it works are very valuable, right? There's not, there's no Marxist theory of language, unfortunately. But like to look at the way language, speech, communication works mm-hmm. is actually quite fascinating. So, like this idea that there's hate speech or there's civilized speech, for me, that's kind of weird because obviously I am not in control of what I say. Like, I, talk shit, right? And I don't often say exactly what I mean. Words have always been the way that I've made a living and they're the way that you make... Sort of a living. Sort of a living. Barely a living. Communications, writing. And, 
you know, you find yourself always in that practice, like trying to use the right word, trying to understand how that will be understood by Mm -hmm. a broad audience, a niche audience. You never get it right. Yeah. You go over and over again. And like, so even if you have the luxury of that extra time, you're still making mistakes. So how does speech work? There is this presumption that if somebody says a bad thing, then a bad thing will happen in the world, right? Yes. And the presumption is that everybody's in control of their speech. They never say the wrong thing. If they do say the wrong thing, then that's evidence of their bad character. And so we talk about civilised speech raising us up and and, uh, uncivilised speech. And Um, civilised speech is always code for speech that, you know, doesn't... Uh, attack usually the uh, high and high and mighty and and ruling class civil civilized speech is I always always you know alarm bells ring when when you know here's sometimes civ- people try and tell me to be civil. Here's some civilized speech for you. I was reading um, an account of a speech given by um, the very civilized Adam Smith, right? Mm-hmm. And he's giving his civilized rationale for the ownership of India by the British. Lovely language, you know, lovely way to describe the immiseration, death, manipulation, theft of resources of an entire nation that for a hundred years was managed by a fucking company, people. You know, this shit's not new. Mm. And this is civilised speech. And, you know, and now like with all the women being like, it's so sexy. I don't know if it sounds sexist to you, but when you hear like your Sarah Hansen Youngs or whatever, or your Hillary Clinton's talking about, if only women would reach across the aisle and have a women's caucus and speak in a more civilized way, then Parliament would be better. And we would all, I'm sorry, like I'm a working class woman and I fucking, like everyone tells me to shut up and, and not be angry because that's mm. the way that I was raised. My mother's a loud mouth too, so was my grandma, you know, and, you know, we're constantly being told that we're not, you know, real civilised women because we don't bring the civilised, the civilising influence to masculine debate. Like, so it's like this whole idea of women being present to, like, um, make men less brutal and animalistic. Like, women exist so men don't you know, fuck everything that moves. Right. And it's such a, it's like, it's not only a, like a ruling class idea, but to me it's like really sexist. Does yeah, it struck you as... Absolutely, because, you know, I'm, you know, angry and uncivil and a piece of shit online and I cop some of it, but female comrades who are in the same space saying, could like say the exact same thing that I do from my account and they'll get way more railings against them for being hysterical or irrational or ridiculous or told to shut up. Like that happens to female activists or advocates way more than, you know, the the, the male voice or the male presentation is always sort of just seen as ultimately, you know, more, yeah. more sensible but in I mean, quotes. My bestie, this is not a boast. This is just a statement of fact. I do not wish to instrumentalise her for racist reasons, but my bestie is a brown Muslim lady. And what brown people or black people cop Mm. when they dare to speak, even in the, you know, nicest, most reasonable terms, even if it's advocacy for a corporation Mm. Even if it's restating an idea in, in in what most reasonable people would would agree with, uh, the hatred, like the mailed hatred, mm-hmm. is extraordinary. 
And frankly, you know, once one bloke's, you know, called you unrapeable, it doesn't matter. But this seems to be, you know, getting it where you couldn't, uh, you didn't rise up the ranks of the of the ABC. You're, you know, you're a little bit, little bit too angry, a little bit too working class, a little bit too bolshy. As soon as you tick like any of those boxes, it doesn't seem to be a, a position for you, uh, in the in the in the esteemed well, you know, media class. Let, look, you also, it's okay to be Groucho Marxist. Why would you want to be a member of a, a, a club that would admit you? Anyway. You haven't thrown the bear at me yet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, because I'm t- talking to, you know, you as a potential comrade in the fight against everything mm-hmm. and I'm t- talking to you too about this idea of speech, about this idea of the always consciously speaking subject in full command, able to be civilised and any, you know, speech act of brutality is evidence of their bad character and all, all of that kind of plot. These are actually good ideas to interrogate. I fucking do read your structuralist theories of, of language or do read your Lacan or whatever. These are good ideas. But the idea that, you know, hate speech causes hate and civilised speech causes whatever we mean by civility, it's just like, like if you're going to be so bang on about the power of language, I'm right with you, but try to fucking understand it first. Or not, I don't really give a shit because we're all going to be dead by 2050 after we descend into a period of extreme fascism. We should well, talk about well, your well, union. Well, as Keynes said, in the long run, we're all dead. Yeah, but he actually didn't mean that as a, <laughs> you know, like that wasn't a fatalistic thing. When Keynes says this, Keynes means this um, as, um, you know, long runs are kind of like pointless to think about in terms of economics. Strangely even though Keynes was referring to the particular economic cycle, people are still trying to revive his ideas. The strange thing about capitalism is that it's a very dynamic, productive at times force that changes. So we find new ways to put the reins on it. No one's come up with any better idea than modern monetary theory or UBI. I'm still for the revolutionary socialism and the abolition of all property, Mr. Poxon is a very moderate person who's just a committed laborist and will not commit to any view beyond that. But let's the just The organization about- I'm representing has very, you know, uh, you know, mid-century laborist uh, ideals. I might be a little bit more radical, but that's, you know, that's my that's my personal hat. I'm so like- oh, so the contemporary idea of the union, right? Yes. So my experience as a union member is that unions have their heads in a previous era, that brief era. This, this bygone era of uh, full-time male breadwinners? Yeah. So when we're talking about Keynesianism, it's like all the Keynes period or what, you know, you'd know um, in the US as um, the New Deal, uh, which is like you give, uh, you know, a little bit more money to the poor to stop them from dying so the economy doesn't, you know, fucking Tank. run into trouble, yeah. which it does. Everybody has Uber driver conditions and uh, wages, then no one's going to, yeah, who are you going to exploit for your wealth? Like, you know, great wealth depends on great poverty. Mm. So I, there's a lot I want to talk to you about because I know that you, you know, you've read Kalecki and you've read Keynes oh. and you've read Mark. So in a nutshell, what's an unemployed person? 
What's a, what's an unemployed person? And this why is, should they have a union? An, an, an unemployed person is someone who isn't having their labor utilized uh, by by the economy in sort of a failure of a failure of the private sector and a failure of government to uh, utilize what is at, at a capitalist economy's greatest resource. Apparently, is uh, people is us. Uh, so un- unemployed people uh, okay. uh, are, are are a surplus there, or a, or a reserve, as as Marx would but call it's, them. It's not a failure, is it? Because you know, you you pin down even your neoclassical economist. You you pin down even somebody who believes that capitalism is unassailably the best form. Oh, of it's deliberately inbuilt. I don't mean like human, it's an accident, yeah, as in a failure. Yeah. It's so a- we need, you know, if you really get an economist of neoclassical type, bit drunk, you say, we need unemployed people, mm. don't we? And we do. Yep. Because the economy won't work. Because what happens if everybody who can work, so the official definition of, of full employment is that everybody who's looking for work gets can, work. Gets work. So, so that's an impossible state under capitalism, right? It's just like economically impossible. Why? Well, this is the this is the the, the funny thing about uh, Keynes when he when he's critical of of capitalism and he but he ultimately believed um, that there could be a full employment uh, capitalist economy. But um, he's and then he even even concedes that if that's if capitalism can't achieve that, oh fuck, we might have to do uh, do away with do away with the whole thing. It's it's too crucial in how. Um, how our uh, economy functions, these sort of um, ideas, these you know very neoclassical ideas of, of economics that you need, but uh, this surplus population to... If we don't have unemployed people and everybody can go from job to job until they find a job that they like, right, what happens? It's a fundamental transformation of society as we, as, 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 as we live in. If we don't have um, this pool of desperate people who just need to take any job they can uh, to survive when you have people you know with that kind of um, you know that kind of structure um, around them and and capacity um, and ability that's huge that's a huge risk for our political establishment that's mm. a huge risk for our media class that's a huge risk for uh, the status quo um, as is so if you are millennial and you do like I, I mean again I don't know they could be awesome but when I listen to Chapo Trap House I don't understand it. I'm sure it's very good. Um, so you know you get this um, millennial group saying to boomers, why did you rip us off? Well, I mean, like notwithstanding the fact that there are a good many impoverished boomers, um, and notwithstanding the fact that. Um, Many people of uh, who who would be now uh, called a boomer, they're dead mm. in the world, and in Australia, if they're Aboriginal, you know, I think two thirds. Like I'm fifty, right? Like two thirds of Aboriginal people born in this territory known as Australia are, you know, dead by mm. my age. It's fucking ridiculous. It, it's, it, but anyhow, if you get too many workers, right, in pole position where they can go from job to job um, and say, I don't like the conditions I'm leaving, then what you have is a really like genuinely empowered workforce that will naturally set the conditions, unionised or not, 
for how they can be treated. Like, mm. I mean, are you telling me that, like, if you can get, like, 100 extra bucks a week, you're going to say no? Of course you are. So Keynes had this particular view that, you know, a lot of people really idealise and it worked, you know, for some people at the time. I mean, you know, there's the other argument that it was really World War II that changed the, but we won't go into that, right? But so, like, Keynes is known as this wonderful man that transformed the world and, you know, it's, it's um, you know, demand-side economics, it's not supply-side mm-hmm. economics. And it came after a perilous crash as well. It was the response to the, the Great Depression. But so this guy, Kalicki, and I just found out that you had read, it's just like a seven-page thing, you can get it on the internet, it's called... Um, uh, the consequences of full employment. All the political aspects of yeah. full employment, and he really, and you know, he's 1948. He's, he writes all right. Yeah, and 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 he really goes into what would actually happen uh, to a capitalist economy. That you know, what would how workplaces would transform if we did have a a committed full employment policy, where if one employer is shitty, there's another one you can go to, whether it's like federally he, federally funded. He predicted. The stagflation situation mm. in the 19, uh, early 1970s, which was our last economic crisis in the capitalist world before 2008. So you get too many empowered workers, like everybody has a family wage, right? Yep. And, you know, what eventually happens? Well, workers keep asking for better and better conditions. Prices of goods go up. Companies, you know, let workers go because they don't make And so you just get this kind of like, you know, Another time for another capitalist reset. Mm. Capitalism is crisis prone. Would you agree? Yes. It's, it's, it's abundantly clear and we're apparently due for another crisis any, any, any day now apparently. And, you know, the really kind of crazy thing for me is that like all faults by the media and the political class that where you and I would agree that they're kind of indistinguishable now almost, mm-hmm. they blame all faults on individual moral failings, right? right. So um, if capitalism isn't working, that's because there's crony capitalism, there's a few bad apples. If a nation becomes very racist, by which we mean openly racist, that's because the bad men like Fraser Annie. It's not due to 230 years. That's, of, you know, basic liberal individualist sort of thinking, sort of that yeah. bad apple-ism and there's a distinct lack of any sort of structural or, or class analysis therein. And, you know, if the the lives of many women are claimed by brutality, poverty, economic dependence on men, that's because even though you might say patriarchy, that's because individual men haven't been called out and given the right brochure. Right. And there hasn't been enough Me Too. Me Too, a fucking waste of time, you know, all of that pain, right? All of those women who have and 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 you know men and gender non-binary people who have disclosed publicly, you know these very intimate experiences of pain because they genuinely believe, and why wouldn't they? That if they let them out, then something better will happen. Now I've done that very publicly before because of like a gendered violence experience that I had at work, and I'm telling you, I'm fucking still seeing the psychiatrist twenty years later, right? This uh, this idea that if we all, or if women, non-binary people, if they just perform their trauma and sort of rehash rehash their trauma yeah. on an individual basis, that that's going to have a structural and in one a- sense, effect. yeah. I, I mean, in one sense, it's a you know, it's probably let's say maybe even 
human nature to be social and talk through your problems with a trusted someone. Mm. But the internet is not a trusted someone. Yeah. Disclosure in a newspaper is, you know, that's not a trusted someone. It doesn't matter how kind the journalist who is taking care of your story is, you know, it doesn't matter how beautifully you reveal the nature of your your own trauma. It may provide you with some relief or you may be haunted by it as I have been for, for many years. And why not change the structure of work so that if you receive an injury and let's just call gendered abuse an accident that happened at work, like, you're not fucking insured for it. You're fucked, mm. right? And it's not the same for women in the boardroom as it is for women on the factory floor. Not that we have any fucking factory floors left <laughs> in Australia. It's it's different. And it's like, you know, we must educate men to be better. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell my old sexist fuck of a boss that what he's doing is wrong. He knows it. Or maybe some, uh, you know, union-funded uh, Me Too seminar that we can, you know, ship all the ship all the bad men to, and then keep keep all the workplace general like sexist workplace structures intact. But they've been to a seminar and they can they can come back and apparently, yeah. you know, that'll that'll fix the problem. I mean, I'm not saying that these moments of um, you know enlightenment or strength that we see now constantly delivered um, by social media or by legacy media do not provide perhaps you know some strength to some people. But there is power in a union. Mm. We're stronger as a mass um, than we are as, like, individual storytellers. The other thing, and I'll attribute um, this idea to its brilliant source, a woman named Yasmineya, a friend and a comrade who writes from the USA, she's written a lot on the victim being the kind of like the ideal neoliberal subject. So if you're talking from a place of trauma, mm -hmm. in the current era, you automatically, if it is expressed correctly, you know, in the right place, in the right time, then you automatically have a form of legitimacy because, you know, you're expressing a person, you know, you're, you're, you're allowing the idea of a person who has had things done to them by evil individuals. I'm not saying for a moment that stories don't have power and that people don't identify with them. But I mean... And it can be incredibly useful for, for social movements and, and unionism, et cetera. But yeah, those those limits do exist and in in sort of the way our, our media is structured to handle uh, handle these things, you know, always individuates um, in, yeah. in, in that way. So, you know, I guess the question, um, you know, if we're going to be, if we're going to be unionists, um, if we're going to sort of try and tackle the real structural root mm. causes. Um, yes, this individualization is helpful, um, but I don't think people are understanding the limits of it and the real damage it does yeah. um, for these individuals, like you know, like you're saying with yourself, having to re-experience trauma. But, you know, I mean, you know, it's like even so, like I'm using my own example, but I mean, like you're actually in an organisation where people write to you about, like, the accidents they have at work. Mm -hmm. I'm fucking not. I am getting 20, 30 emails a week from people younger than you saying, this happened to me at work, what should I do? Mm. My union's not helping. 
that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. There's this kind of like, there's this thing in Australia at the moment, it's called Change the Rules. I've read the document by the Australian Council of Trade Unions a number of times and I've written this publicly. I can't work out what they're asking for. So they identify this, what they say is a new class of people, which is precarious, exploited workers. In, in, insecure workers and they throw around the, We've the always, stat that 40% of Australians are insecure and insecure work and, and this is a crisis, but you're right in that I've also read the document, but there doesn't appear to be a clear, coherent Yeah, what plan. are we asking for? Are we all getting, you know, automatically insured at work? Um, will there be like a guaranteed living wage for all? I don't Are you going to commit to uh, lobbying labor to commit to a policy of full employment that would really do uh, be the most effective way to secure us all a living? It's And so you know, so we we're talking about before. So this is a really messy conversation, but you know, you've got uh, you know, a lot to say and obviously I can't shut up. But so the union movement is sort of working to a program or pretends to work to a program that is in the, the Keynesian period of full employment, which began to fall apart in Western nations in the early 1970s. Now, you, uh, if you weren't even born then, you know, Poxo here wasn't, right? So you may remember this as a great period of radicalism and fuck yeah, there was some amazing shit that happened. But there was also some terrible shit that happened. Like my mum had to go to work. She did not want to go to work. She just had two fucking children. You know, she was acting as though the full employment regime was still occurring. My mother did not want to go to what was then, I think, uh, Telecom, now Telstra, and, you know, be a telephonist, leave her two little girls alone she had a fucking nervous breakdown. In the, I'm sorry, Mum, if you're listening. Mum never listens to the <laughs> podcast. So that was the average experience in a developed Western economy of women. Most women had that. It's like, and the way we, uh, the way we sort of in our collective memory summarise that as like a huge emancipatory moment yeah. uh, for women, like completely like erases that suffering I mean, of of your mum and and many others in that generation. What it would have meant for some women living in violent relationships, yep. of course, is that they could have had their economic independence along with their kids, you know. But what it really meant is that, you know, women were doing the the necessary, like, effective labour of raising children. They were also had to go out to work. They, you know, were subject to the cultural surveillance of being women and nice women and mm-hmm. then, you know, the actual workplace surveillance. So, you know, no Gloria Steinem, no Betty Friedan, no Clementine Ford. It wasn't a great time for all women. Mm. It was a great time for some women but not all and that's kind of like the history of class struggle. It's mostly shit. <laughs> Um, for most of us. And uh, we're in such a period now where it's mostly shit for most of us. And I just, you know, I mean, I say this openly and I say it at union meetings. You guys are a bunch of pricks. You need to remember that the union is there to represent the members, yet you're telling the members how they should be represented. Why not try fucking listening to us? You know, why not fucking... You know, the meetings I've been to where I've been told how to campaign and the union movement, so well, it's like 1975 there was like bajillions of Australians like in the 
you know, and now it's like yeah, we had the highest union density in the in the OECD. Another back in the glory days. Uh, if we exclude the public service, is what like fucking eleven percent something like that membership. You know, do you think maybe if you started representing your members a little better, and there are some better unions than others, right? Mm. Like CFMEU, that seems to be an okay union-ish, right? Yeah, we, we you know we work very closely with NUW and 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 other unions. So you know, I think even you know your staunch unionists would have to concede that you know they've been incredibly late uh, to the party and are still living in this sort of fantasy land of you know some full-time workers' paradise that doesn't exist. Fact of the matter: there's three million Australians who live in poverty um, at the moment. Forty um, percent renting. There's this huge pool of people who we as a voluntary-run organization are slowly starting to, to represent. Really, we were founded you know, as a movement to put a very clear case to the, to the union movement proper. That is, we aren't going to get bloody wage rises. We aren't going to get better conditions at work if we don't look after this like reserve pool like if you don't if, if we're not going out and like what wait what we try to do organize the 80,000 people who are stuck at work for the doll sites a program i had to do for 40 cents uh, oh, an man, hour. i went to one of those like job placement compulsory classes oh god what did they make you do oh it was years ago right cuz it just like no like perhaps this is by design or perhaps it's just by accident but yeah you know, i you speak to a lot of people like Oh, I'm not going to bother going on the doll. It's more trouble than it's mm. worth. That's a, um, it's a very deliberate design to and, keep the welfare rolls down. Yeah, and it's like, you know, so I was thinking about signing on, but I sat there and, you know, there was um, a bloke in the same class as me, uh, newly from a um, uh, UNHCR camp, right? Like no English literacy. Like this is just a statement of fact. Like he was, you know, Fresh in to Australia, deeply traumatized, and there's me, Miss Fucking Derrida, <laughs> with, <laughs> with her history in legacy media, out of work um, uh, uh, manufacturers, you know, like a really wide range of people. It was actually, you know, I could say a nice experience. Mm. The chick in charge of the fucking class read out the, um, you know, the famous. Um, was it a uh, uh, quail statement? No, not quail, you know, unknown knowns. Oh, uh, Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, yeah. Like, you know, known knowns and known unknowns. There are, there are unknown, there are known knowns, there are like, unknown knowns, yeah. I'm like, this is the justification for, you know, a, 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 an assault on a civilian population, mm. right? But she's reading it out with apparently known knowledge of its origin and I've heard that teachers do this in class these days too so it's all about you know like hey Saddam could have any kind of weapons we better like kill like how many Iraqi civilians yeah like that was the knows. famous context for you know to to justify you know can you look it up no, on your for, for can no you look reason. it up on your phone but how is that how is that relevant to the job agency that we shouldn't be arrogant and that there was all sorts of employment opportunities out there that we should be ready for and, you know, we all had to sit and do a uh, a, a resume in Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so yeah, if you wouldn't mind, look, you're uh, 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 listening to knackers, knackers, knackers and the veg, veg, veg. You want to give me some money, you could, but, you know, better to give it to Poxo's organisation. Um, uh, but, you know, if you want to give you me know, some. But cause, you know, uh, un- un- unemployed, unemployed comrades. Shut up. Um, my, my phone's very slow. Um, you know, patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. You can't find it? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have a look. Uh, oh, look, you know that one, there's no knowns and unknown, whatever the case. It was just like absolute self-help boulder dash that had no sort of compliance with reality whatsoever, which is what we are talking about. So, you know, I, I, I do say, you know, and I'm sure you would too, I think we may have a similar view on this, like join your union you know, unless it's the SDA, which I think are irredeemable, but that's just my opinion. Um, harangue your union. Make your union listen to you. You know, like you pay their wages, you almost guaranteed in a union where people aren't elected into positions. They're a professional managerial class of people. There may be some good organisers that you have if you're very lucky. But, but they are, you know, there's, I think people feel anxious to do that or they'll just be told to you know uh, by the people and the and the powers that be in the in the union movement like it's happened to me i'm sure it's happened probably to you to go away the go away the criticism but why are you so angry yeah but because uh, i'm fucking broke exactly um and if we all continue to um you know band together um you know with these criticisms because at the AEW, like we put a very strong uh message from from our members uh to the to the to the union movement um, you know, not just to um, include us as workers, we are workers, we're just not having our labor utilized, but also making a very clear case that there is, you know, there isn't just hypothetical solidarity here to fight for more income support for unemployed people, to fight to shut down work for the doll and programs like that. that actually to fight t- for treaty, actually- to fight for the return of the land that yep. was stolen by, you know, my colonial settler ancestors, yours too, mate, probably. Mm-hmm. You, there are many, you know, solidarity struggles. And in that struggle, your brain turns around, right? You realise, so what's the name of that bloke from Manus who wrote the book, got the awards? Bashani. Yeah, yeah, he, look, he's a good bloke, right? He seems like a good bloke. He's, yeah, he's a solid comrade. And he does seem like a solid comrade. And, you know, without hesitation, he embraces, um, you know, the the rights of the worker, the journalist, Julian Assange. He has, he's made me, I mean, I don't know the bloke, but like he's made me a better comrade. He just effortlessly understands one struggle, understands, you know, still living uh, in the hell that is you know, Manus Island. A, a gulag in the Pacific. Like a deserted, a now deserted prison. Hmm where people tortured by the Australian government have just been, like, set off in a population that understandably resents this imposition. Even from that hell, like, this bloke can understand, oh, you're a comrade, you know, I don't have to like you. You can be, like, the shittiest person who has the worst sexual politics, but you are you are a worker. 
Uh, you, the you, state you, is crushing your rights. I stand with you. I don't know why that's been so difficult for you know, others I mean, you, to You think to, all to of realize. these, you know, like asylum seekers um, on, 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 on Nauru and Manus are people that you would like to have a nice civilised conversation with. Fucking think again. They're like traumatised and not traumatised in that nice Twitter once I had a boyfriend who had rough sex with me and, you know, I didn't really enjoy it, right, you know because I felt unable to speak up. Like, I mean, that's a bad thing. You know, argue about consent on well, your own time. But for fuck's sake, you know, do you think that a, do you think that people who have been brutalised, marginalised, you know, not even treated like beasts but like fucking profitable cogs mm. um, in a fucking outsourced competitive tender fucking machine, you think that they're going to be lovely to you? No, some of them will be right pricks. Some of them will be so truly traumatised that you're not going to like them. You know, hey, not all Holocaust survivors are lovely people and nor should they be. You know, like you're not going to like everybody in your struggle. We have this, and I think the, the Assange thing speaks to it. We have this like weird like purity of, of, of victimhood where, you know, and we'll, we'll afford solidarity to... Uh, you know, some sort of perfect idealized, you know, victims and, you know, the people in Manus or like Holocaust survivors or Peter Grester when he was, when he was arrested um, as, as a journalist. I just, I just, I just can't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why people aren't affording uh, solidarity to someone just because he isn't. Because they're not the impeccable good kind of individual that can improve capitalism that will bring their feminine understanding to parliament because we have this fixation that this so-called great man of of history view that it is individuals that change the world. Yeah, look. But you can you can imagine like some of the calls I get from unemployed workers, from unemployed people. You know, like One Nation supporters. I'll hear people you know say like the worst like racist shit I've ever heard. But you know that said, and I might speak to them about it. These people, you know, these people are suffering. They're still like you know my class comrades. I'm still going to try and help them you know, win their battle on their work for the doll side or with yeah. their job agency or whatever, just because they're not the perfect unemployed victim. Yeah. Um, um, that's you know, sort of, that's, that's, that's secondary. I, I, I mean, we, you know, like let us not understate the noxious, like fundamental force of racism that exists particularly hmm. and nakedly in Australia at the moment, right? But you go about putting your YouTubes up of like, you know, white scoundrels who in some cases are actually clearly fucked in the head, right? Like clearly mentally unwell. Mm. And you you do get that, you know, like people who are for one reason or another not quite right in the head will often attach themselves to uh, noxious currently accepted or formally accepted ideas, you know, like your brutal Jesus freak or whatever. Now, that's not the same as, like, the institutional power of racism. And, yeah, sure, like, call it out online. Hmm. Like, you know, say it's, you know, the fault of this imaginary he doesn't exist the way you think he does. When you say working class, what you have in your mind a lot of the time, I'm not talking to you, you know, I'm talking to your dumb mate here, right, is the is this old idea of, like, a white ochre Australian male who works with his hands, right? And our union movement, like, still 
you know proliferates that that fantasy in our in our minds as well. I'd, I'd, yeah, even I'd though suggest. the whole fucking thing is run by women now, yeah. right? Because they you know receive that poison chalice, and you, you, the, these are not the truly powerful people, you know. And you have probably, if you're Australian, met a white working class Australian male. News just to hand, they're not all fucked. Mm. News just to hand, they're not all racist. Some of them are, sure. And people who are, you know, like, have numeracy or, or literacy hurdles, which is 40% of the population, may be inclined to go to easier solutions. So if your liberal fucking neoliberal progressive mates go to their solution, it might sound more complex than their, than than the the solution of ethno-nationalism, but in my view, it's really not. Like it's as stupid to say if all individuals were better and we educated them, then the world would mm. be better is as impossible as if I only had this arbitrary identity category living with me, my life would be better. They're both stupid ideas, that's right? A, it's a complete liberal liberal fantasy, and it's and it's just not, you know, it's not part of my. Really, as 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 a unionist, it's it's just not part of your your job description. Like, yes, you will try to, uh, you know, advise advise a comrade and 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 so, and sort of, you know, have a have a conversation with them. But primarily, you know, you're trying to. Um, ensure the survival of 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 another of another human being, and in so doing, what you need to be doing is attacking a political system that's keeping them um, in 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 abject uh, poverty. But yeah, this 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 whole idea that if we just make the poor uh, more woke, that that'll you know yeah, I'm that'll t- that'll do anything. Is, uh, uh, is telling me. you you know you've been listening to the blather of two white. Knowledge class, the, the underemployed, right here. you know, fucking philosophy degree idiots here, thing, and like, we're we're unhappy too. But I, but I talk. <laughs> it's know? like it's it's not even like there's a way to talk about like yes, like I'm a wanker with a philosophy degree, but that actually does inform a lot of the conversations I have with like regular poor, low income people. In that, the best way to that I've found to make someone. You know how fucking shitty un- unemployment is, and all the rhetoric blames you mm. for 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 being unemployed. The best way I've found to um, help somebody, at least in their in their own mind, is to talk about like the structural problems that oh, exist. That yeah. unemployment isn't your fault. That it's built into this system. There's many more of us than there are jobs available. Some of us are just going to be left out. This isn't your fault, mate. And that's like one of the most like powerful things you, oh, can, yeah. you can actually say to somebody who have just internalized like all the hatred and scorn, dull bludger rhetoric. I agree. Um, so yes, you know, yes, you know, we are being, you know, philosophy wankers, but also having, you can talk to somebody um, in those terms you know, that's critical thinking. That's critical yeah. analysis. It's, it's, we just we just don't call it that unless we're using big words. It's my sincere belief that uh, you you know the dumbest person you reckon you know is gifted of the faculty for critical thinking. Hmm. You know, language is complex, as I am constantly told. Sometimes you need to bang on a little bit and use a few more syllables to describe concepts, complexes of events that have evolved over centuries, you know, it takes, but it fucking helps. It's a self-help device, you know, understanding why mass movements are necessary. 
to understand the totalizing force of labor of which unemployment is a necessary part mm. you do feel a bit saner you just oh it's not my problem it's the world which is not to say you know you become all deterministic and mm. like what you well, do there's is nothing that can be done and i'm not complicit or, or anything like that but just a a fundamental this is like the most the most frustrating uh let's yeah, I'll bash the media a little bit. The most frustrating, oh, the most like frustrating media request I get, and I get them every week uh, for because you know journalists have never met an unemployed person, so they need me to find one for them to chat to, and they'll be like, "Jeremy, we want just a, a regular apolitical uh, unemployed person," and I've sort of, you know, I've I've sort of played ball up until a point, but really recently I've dug my heels in, and I'm basically just been telling people asking these requests like no like these people are these people's lives every day are shaped by political decisions to uh, keep them on new start to keep them in this like yeah. punitive uh, employment services system which their whole lives are governed by political decisions and you're sort of telling me and them that they're not allowed to have any uh, you know they're not allowed to express any uh, political opinion which is the only way that they can express themselves, you know, understand mean, their position. Is, it's and and it's really this, uh, this I've, even I've, occurs. I mean look you so, so so you should. And I mean there are um oh look, I'm sure she won't mind me telling you. Oh she might and she might have a fit at me and I'll deserve it for my spending my white psychological wages. There's an Australian writer called uh Ruby Hamad she has a book coming out. I'm so – I'm really anticipating something pretty good, a good foundation for what will be, I believe, a pretty long career for a, a, a writer and an academic who can explain complicated things in a popular way. It's called uh, White Tears, Brown Scars. And I know that Ruby has had the experience of – she's Alawite, Syrian, brown Muslim – vegan mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she has been permitted to write in lofty places largely from her identity. She is a person who understands to the academic level of how systems work but she is most valuable to, you know, for-profit uh, news groups or has been most valuable to them in the past before she cracked the shits. As a brown woman, mm. you know, as somebody who speaks from her own experience and and she has so much more to say about the world than her experience in it. Mm. There is so much more to legitimise this particular voice than, you know, the voice will attribute to a particular identity. And so, yeah, fuck, yeah, you should be upset. You don't want you know, somebody who's immiserated, kicked in the guts to, like, be stock photography image for some fucking pity porn on the telly, mm. you know, fuck them all. Like, fuck them all, right? Yeah, abs abs absolutely. There's, it's, you know, these, these, are, these are, like, you know, like Ruby, these are human beings who exist beyond the economic circumstances and their, and their poverty. We need to, in, instead of, like, having... On Q and A or the drum, the, oh, u the usual, the usual like political wonks who have their analysis. Imagine, oh, wonks. imagine how um, much do I hate wonks? Like, imagine actually how cool it would be to see, you know, give someone like Ruby or give like one of our members, a low income person, like what they think about the fucking surplus. Like that seems like the television I'd want to, or the perspective I'd want to yeah, see, you know, like, not just your usual like you know, think like, tankers. Tell me why the surplus is a problem. 
You know, like, can you explain it to me? It's like, I'm, hello, I'm like a living explanation on Newstart, like living below the poverty line. Imagine having, you know, having that. People aren't thick, right? Like, there's only so long you can get away with surplus, 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 national debt, national debt, you know, before somebody digs into your precious Adam Smith and realises he doesn't even think that it's such Mm. a bad thing. The fucking problem with the economy is private debt in Australia right now. Read the Australian Financial Review, you know. They're forced to tell the truth (laughs) about the economy. And, you know, our world record fucking credit boom, this 28 years of, uh, look, all right, I'm probably getting a bit dull. You've not been dull, though. We should probably stop talking. Um, But I should say, and thank you so much for picking me up on it when I was like a white knowledge class, blah, blah, blah. That was more um, probably a, a, a tick uh, a conscious admission that there are many things that I'll never understand that I haven't even bothered to understand before the the the, the true rise of the the racist right in Australia, mm. just because a lot of the knowledge to which you and I have had access has largely been written by white men that the time that they had to produce this knowledge was made possible by capitalism. They're just thoughts and some of them are good and some of them are bad and the better thoughts in the world are actually being produced in the global south at the moment in any case, Mm. which you can find out, you know. I mean, thoughts come from the struggle. Thoughts come from the union movement. Mass movements can develop intelligence and thinking of their own but Let's end with you, right? I'm giving you a project, like restating, not trying to say that these thoughts are objective, like acknowledging where they came from, acknowledging the 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 myopia. You know, like Karl Marx doesn't explain everything. There, I said it, right? Um, Karl Marx doesn't begin to explain race, which is a fiction that became a crushing real fact. I, I I really like what you what what you said about like having a theoretical framework that you know doesn't necessarily have to be totalizing, but when you understand the conditions of the present, the the, the history that put you where you are now, it's 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 crucial and it's like fundamental to uh, the work idea because if you don't you know if we don't have unions and we don't have organisations. Uh, developing these alternate theoretical frameworks, all people are left with is the dominant uh, framework that we have. And mm. in the case of unemployment uh, policy or, or labor policy, it's it's full like meritocracy. It's full individuals are responsible for their own poverty. It's full of these crushing uh, ideologies that just make anyone who isn't successful just feel like absolute shit mm. uh, every day of their lives. So that's like you know, on top of all your sort of, you know, boring rudimentary daily, like organizing, developing a very clear, you know, theoretical framework. You don't have to be, you know, too highfalutin. You don't have to like be reading Capital uh, every night, but having to, um, you know, having these conversations with people, listening to people and putting their thoughts um, and their anguish in a greater context is like one of the most beneficial things you can do um, to, to, to another person. And critical thinking is habit forming, I think. And and and, and you know, pe- people uh, people are critically thinking all the time. We we sort of think that 
you know, you, you can only, you're only critically thinking if you're writing something and whacking footnotes in, but going through like, you know, your experience, like at the job agency, when you're hearing, you know, that mm. shit about Rumsfeld and well, they didn't say that about the Iraq war and like, what's going on here? Like people are having these, these questions um, and, and, and making these, uh, making these, you know, analyses um, all the time. It's just, you know, we never, uh, our media doesn't really accommodate <laughs> these voices. But people are so much brighter than is generally assumed mm. by people in powerful places. You know, I mean, you, you, even your stupid uncle, your stupid white racist uncle might say something like, his suburbs changed. And, you know, in noting the gentrification process, he might have a thought or two. This is not to say, like, go to dinner with your racist uncle. Mm. I don't like him either. But it is a very, uh, just as, you know, the world makes us less compassionate but we're compassionate nonetheless and just as the world makes us more insane but we retain our sanity nonetheless, we retain our ability to think critically and that doesn't mean necessarily, you know, listening to this bloke or me, although of course we're completely right about everything. It does mean thinking for yourself and perhaps thinking your way into the power of the mass. Couldn't 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 agree more. And yeah. I feel I feel like, you know, critical like there's this sort of school of thought that critical thought requires like detachment or requires that uh, you know, you be no. in some some hole of academia, but critical thinking is so tied to direct action it's and, and so organizing tied to your it's gut triple triple well. triple helix that it's not You know, like being a you know, a bit of a jumpy person. It takes a lot for me to go to an action. It takes a lot for me to go to a picket line. It takes a lot for me to, you know, go and interview a Nazi or go and yell at a Nazi. Uh, I force myself to do it. Even so, like, you may be in a, you know, like a physical or a medical state where you, you can't. What you can still have is that internal action that I don't, you know, you hear people talk about praxis, right? The 11th thesis, you know, um, the um, t- today philosophers have, you know, uh, 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 merely written about the world, uh, but the point is to, to change, change it, it. Wh- whatever it is on, yeah, old Carl's grave in Highgate there with his unfinished volumes of capital and all that, yeah, but you can still have that activism with your your intimate people or with yourself and that is when the idea collides with the gut and you know it when when it happens right mm. you believe something you know it and then it happens or you see it and it hits you right here it, it, and that to me is a form of praxis mm. like truly physically experiencing in reality facing with your sober senses the thing that you knew to be true intellectually that's um, you know, it's your own private self-help picket line, yeah. And then you know, ma- managing to managing to find you know, hopefully other people who have that same feeling uh, in their in in their guts at you know, hopefully a you know, hopefully a a, a union meeting or a or an activist group or an action group or or whatever whatever oh, that may be. Fucking morning tea, wherever it happens, it will happen on Unless- the bus. You remain a deluded idiot, uh, which is fine by me. Uh, we're all going to burn to a crisp before a descent into ethno-nationalism. Or not. 
It's up to you. You've been listening to Knackers, Knackers, Knackers in the Veg, Veg, Veg. You could give me some money, patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor, Razor with an E. For some peculiar reason, I'm not searchable on Patreon. Poxo here, uh, well, you can find his union at unemployedworkersunion.com. Not .au? No, not, not, uh, no, no okay. AU. All right, give him some money. Uh, or I don't know. Give the next person who asks you for some money some money and insist they spend it on heroin. Don't be a judgmental fuck. Bye. You've been listening to Knackers and the Vag.